At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our Christmas message series, Eyewitness, finding your Christmas story in theirs, where you're invited to find your story in the extraordinary experiences of the men and women who witnessed the very first Christmas. Together, we'll see that no matter who we are, the coming of the Christ was for us. This morning I feel like I need a, a stool or something just to sit here and just have like a little fireside chat and not get into a big old message and everything, but uh, it is so good to see you guys this morning. Uh, just waking up and just the anticipation of being able to share the word with you, it's, uh, it's, I always enjoy these opportunities. You know, we just came off of um, Advent. Uh, Advent is historically those four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And there's two Advents. There's the first one and the second one. And we celebrated the first one and the anticipation of God's people looking forward to Messiah coming. We look forward to a second Advent, and that is the return of Christ. And we don't know when that'll happen. And not to be confused with the rapture of the church, that's a whole different topic. But someday Christ is going to come again. He's going to set up his kingdom on this earth, and he's going to rule, and we're going to be a part of that. And so we look forward to that with anticipation and just seeing what God is going to do in the years ahead as, as we prepare to, to wait for him. But here's the deal. I don't know about you, but I get impatient. Any impatient people here? Okay. There's confession afterwards. We can talk about it. But we do that all the time. I mean, if you're, if you're at the grocery store and you got your basket of groceries and you're looking for the aisle that looks the shortest and the one where they're not fiddling with coupons or whatever, it is, you're trying to get through because we're impatient. When I had my business, I would drive from I-696 up to Square Lake on Telegraph. And you know, those lights are timed, okay? I could drive all the way from from 696 all the way to Square Lake without having to stop once. Because I didn't want to wait, in a, I didn't want to stop and wait at a red light. So I would time those lights and it would just worked out perfectly. But in Western culture, we want it and we want it now. Uh, we, we don't want to have to wait. But yet here in today in, in our message, and we talk about two people, uh, Simeon, and Anna, kind of obscure people that we don't hear much about. But out of their lives, they teach us some really important things. Before I get into that, I gotta tell you a story though. Um, I was talking a little bit with Hillary before the, uh, for the service. So part of my undergraduate degree was sacred music with a voice proficiency. So as a result of that, I was very involved in worship arts here at Woodside. And every year we'd have these Christmas concerts. And for two years in a row, I played the part of Simeon. And so I'd be over here on stage left, and they would give me this newborn baby, I mean like two months old, very, very, and the moms were like freaking out because they're thinking, he's gonna drop him, he's gonna drop. No, I didn't, I, I had his little bottom in this hand, had his back, and because we were right over the brass section, I took my fingers and I kind of plugged his little ears. So, you know, I, I just, yeah, thank you. That was, I heard that, ah. <laughs> 
but I would hold that baby in the first year, okay, Vicki Lynn Withrow, she led the bell choir. She was Mary. And so I'm holding this baby, and I have this fake beard on, and this baby gets these fingers, and I'm thinking, this beard is coming off, this beard is coming off. I have to stay in character. So she just very gently unravels the, uh, the beard out of his little fingers. Okay, that was the first year. Second year, another new baby. Same song, same script, over the trumpets in the brass section. I've got the baby, and I start to sing. And <laughs> I, feel, I feel this rumbling in my hand. <laughs> and this little guy is just filling his diaper. And, and I've got to stay in character and sing, and the show goes on, right? That was the first performance. The second and the third, same thing. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Mom must have fed him just before the, just before the, uh, the concert. But when we got out there, either it was the trumpets or just my voice, he just felt so relaxed. <laughs> so if any of you doze off, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, don't do it. But... The thing is about Simeon, as I read about that, I just thought, what an incredible man who was just waiting, waiting for, for God to work. And Anna, her devotion of what she did in preparing for the coming of, of Messiah. And from those two, you know, we've been talking about eyewitnesses, and, and we come to these two people in the final story here, part of the, part of the Christmas story. And we're finding uh, our story in, their, in, in theirs. So I want to take you to Luke chapter 2. It'll probably be on the screen, but if you have your device or uh, your Bible and you want to join me there, let me just read a little bit of this story, starting uh, chapter 2, verse 22. It says, And when, they came, uh, when, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that is Jesus, up to Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Then there's Anna, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. So we see this couple. And I think what we want to learn from them today, and, and this, is, this is really our big idea, is that waiting in faith enables us to receive God's promise. So when we think about that passage and them taking Jesus up to the temple, I know the other, um, I think it was Christmas Eve, uh, Billy was talking about we don't know how much time was there when Herod decreed that all the children under two would be, would be killed in Bethlehem. 
But we know from the time of the birth of Jesus until this event was about 41 days. Uh, you can read that in, in Leviticus chapter 12. But you'll see that there was just that short period of time, they bring Jesus up to dedicate him at the temple, and that's where we meet this couple. But there are three things I want to teach you this morning. Uh, it's, it's all about waiting. And, you know, it'll teach us how to engage well, engage in the whole idea of waiting, how to, how to wait well. Because we're all in that place where we, we're, we're in a time of waiting. It could be waiting for a new job. It could be waiting for a baby to be born. It could be waiting for so many different things. But we need to learn how to do it really, really well. And it's important in the lessons that we'll learn here. Notice, first of all, that they wait with devotion. Let me take you back to verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Same thing with Anna. Here she is. She was a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, living with her husband seven years from the time that she was a virgin, and as a widow until she was 84. 84. That was a lot of waiting. She didn't depart from the temple. She was worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. Um, that is a lot of perseverance to wait as long as they did. And these, both of these people, we see that they were devoted. They were devoted to God and to his word. It was important that they did both of those things. Because you think about them de being devoted to God's word. Well, how does that happen? Notice that little phrase uh, describing uh, Simeon, the consolation of Israel. What do we mean by that? I think that, I think that Simeon was so immersed in what God's word had to say about Messiah. He knew the passage in Isaiah 9 where it says, for unto you a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God. That was in his head. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. servant. Micah 5, 2, but you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, but you, Ephrathah, Bethlehem, uh, of the tribe of Judah, though you be small amongst the clans, out of you shall come a ruler whose goings forth was from everlasting to everlasting. Speaking of the eternity of God in flesh. All those messianic promises were in Simeon's mind, in Anna's mind. And so they could look forward to that time when Jesus was going to be revealed and how God was going to work in their lives, in their waiting. And, you know, sometimes um, we, we kind of rationalize, don't we? You know, we, in our waiting. Um, <laughs> this is not the good time to talk about this. Diet, <laughs> exercise, uh, you know, it's just, well, I'm just going to do it this one time, right? Uh, but... Look, all of you who made cookies 
thank you. But there it is. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, uh, Super Bowl. The list goes on. There's all of those things where we rationalize and say, well, it's just this one time. Just this one time. And we get sidetracked, don't we? I mean, probably next week, all of these fitness centers are going to have like record numbers of uh, new enrollees saying, we're going to get going, we're going to get exercising, we're going to, you know, but it doesn't take much to get us derailed, does it? I love what Jerry Bridges says in his book, uh, The Pursuit of Holiness. There's that idea of us making that one excuse, if you will, that one deviation, and then it gets us off track. Because once we've done it once, it's easier to do it again and again and again. But with Hannah, or with Anna and Simeon, we see that they've stuck to it. And sometimes we do that spiritually. Because we say, well, when X, Y, Z happens, I'll do such and such. You know, I'm going to wait. When I get married, I'm going to get devoted. Or when I have children, or when I get out of school, or when I get the new job. And we make those excuses, and, and you know, we, we compromise uh, our direction and what God is trying to lead us into. And so we have to stick to it, right? I, I love what Peter says, Second Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. He says this, But according to his promise... We are waiting for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's at second advent, right? Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and, and at peace. Um, we're all in that tension of waiting for what's going to happen next in our lives. You know, we look back and we say, well, 2021 was such a tough year, or 2020 was a tough year. We don't know what next year holds. And we are praying and we're waiting for his timing, and we don't know when what will happen next, but yet God has said, look, wait on me. Wait. Be patient in, in waiting. Um, you know, think about what if... What if Simeon and Anna just kind of slacked off and said, well, I don't think I'll go up there today. What would they have missed? Or what could they have missed? Maybe they might have missed Joseph and Mary bringing Jesus to the temple. And then we wouldn't have this story recorded. But yet they were faithful. They were devoted uh, talks about Simeon being righteous and devoted. That righteousness is kind of that outward, what we see outwardly. The devotion is that condition of the heart. It, it kind of has echoes of um, Romans 9, where it says, with the heart one believes and with the mouth one confesses, right? There's that inward decision. There's that outward proclamation of who we are uh, in, in Christ, and so we practice those, those disciplines like Anna did of fasting, of prayer, of worship, looking forward to that day when Christ will be revealed in his, in his second advent. So even as we see Simon and Anna wait in devotion, we also see them wait in faith in another way. And that is 
we wait for God's timing. Wait for God's timing. Notice what it says here in Luke 2 again. And it had, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that uh, he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then regarding Anna in verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. From the closing of what we call the Old Testament to the birth of Christ was about 400 years. That was a lot of waiting. We call that the intertestamental period. It, we, sometimes it's referred to where God is silent, but yet God was very much at work. You may remember um, in Daniel chapter 2, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he sees this image, and the head of gold and going all the way down, and, and no one could interpret the image of the dream that he had. So they call Daniel in, and Daniel interprets the dream. And as Daniel interprets the dream, it's symbolic of world empires rising and falling. And Babylon was the head. And of course, before that 400-year period began, Babylon fell. And the Medes and the Persians, that empire rose up. You know, uh, Babylon fell. You may remember reading in Daniel about Belshazzar's feast and their handwriting on the wall. And that very night, the Medes and the Persians took Babylon. You had the rise of that empire, and it dominated what we call Asia Minor today. But then, there was another kingdom that came up, a kingdom led by a man named Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered all, of the, all that Medo-Persia had, even as far east as India. He just conquered all that, but at age 32, can you imagine that? He died. He died at age 32, and three of his generals took up the rest of his empire, divided it up. While all of that was happening, we see the rise of the Roman Republic. And right around, I think it was uh, 40 BC, somewhere in there, we see a guy by the name of uh, Julius, Julius Caesar, he crosses the Rubicon River. So if you have a Jeep Rubicon, you know this is where it comes from. He crosses the Rubicon River and he sets up and he becomes Caesar. And a few years later, a man by the name of Octavian consolidates his power. And we know him as Caesar Augustus, chapter 2 of Luke. Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that all the world should be taxed. Folks, that's bringing it together. Galatians 4.4 says, at the right time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made her under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. God's timing was perfect. And Simeon and Anna were waiting for that. There are some who didn't want to wait for it. For instance, they thought they could usher in the kingdom by force, the zealots. Uh, they thought they could bring it in by overcoming it with force. You had the Pharisees, and all these groups developed during that intertestamental period. They thought they could take it by force, the Pharisees through their radical uh, legalism, uh, the Sadducees through compromise with Rome, um, the Essenes 
through their radical separation, they all thought that perhaps through that they could usher in Messiah's kingdom. It didn't happen that way. That was not God's plan. But yet, Simeon and Anna were ready every day, waiting every day for Christ to come, for Messiah to be revealed. You know, um, James, he has a great, some great words here. Um, boy, he talks about patience. You know, Galatians, um, Galatians 4, uh, 5.22, uh, when we speak about patience and timing, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he describes it, he says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What is the fourth one? Patience. 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 Revelation 2.22, Revelation says, speaking of the church of Ephesus, that through patient endurance, they serve God. So there's that patience that we need. And here in James, James 5, 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, um, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Uh, There is going to be that future fulfillment. And uh, patience is the way in which we engage that season of, of waiting with hearts full of faith to receive the fruit of God's promises. You know, um, I grew up in Aurora, Colorado. Some of you have heard some of news about Aurora, some unfortunate things. It's right on the east side of Denver. But all my extended family are in eastern Kansas, and they're all farmers. And so... I grew up in a single-parent household. Uh, my brother and sister were six and seven years older than me. And so my dad left when I was, uh, I think, around eight. And when he left, he left. He never came back. And so my mom had to work. And my brother and my sister, my brother went to live with my dad. I think he may have been 14 or 15 at the time. And as soon as my sister graduated from high school, she went to live with a friend in Florida. So it was just my mom and me. It was just the two of us. Well, she had to work. So what do you do with this kid all day long, all summer long? Well, I went to the farm. So for three months, uh, while school was out, I stayed on the farm with my grandfather and my aunt and uncle. Now, I was too small, too young to be able to drive any of the heavy equipment. I mean, that would be crazy to put me out there on a tractor. But I learned a lot about farming. And I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy it to this day. Um, I walk or run the McComb Orchard Trail, and uh, there's all those farms along there. And so I'll go there, and I'll, I'll look, and they say, oh, yeah, they've got beans planted here, corn here, wheat. And uh, it takes patience to do that. I mean, I'll go out after the, after the beans blossom, and some of you are farmers, you know what I'm talking about when they bloom. And I'll feel those pods, and I want to feel how big those seeds are in there. I'm impatient. I want to say, come on, they should be bigger by now. Or I'll go feel that corn, that ear of corn, and uh, see if it's dented yet. 
denting meaning it's drying out and it's going to be ready for harvest at some point. So I'd go check that out. And when I'd garden, oh, I just planted grass in my, in my yard over the last couple of years, trying to build that grass. And you put straw over it. And, and every day I'm going out there, I'm just lifting up that straw a little bit to see if there's any grass coming up. I'm just impatient. I've gone out into the field and I've taken a twig where I know the guys have planted corn or beans and I'll just kind of lift the dirt a little bit to see if, it's, if that seed's popped. I know it's, it, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's just the way I am. But um, it's a lot about farming. It takes patience to farm. You know, if you sow wheat in the fall, you're not going to harvest it until June or July. It's like nine months of a nine-month growing season for winter wheat. But yet, James uses that illustration for the patience that we have to have in, in waiting to see that fruit take place. And folks, we have to understand, God orders our stops. He, he orders our starts. He also orders our waiting. He's all part of that. And we have to be patient in seeing God at, at work. We don't want to run ahead of who he is and what he's trying to do in our lives because of our impatience. So we stick to that. It's a crucial element that I want to share with you next. And that's the third point. Is <clears throat> that so we wait. We wait in God's spirit. Notice in verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms. That's that part where I had, you know. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples in a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. We see here in verse 27 really the culmination of the theme that, that Luke is highlighting. And that is the work of the Spirit. Three times in this passage about Luke, it describes Simeon waiting and, and the Holy Spirit involved in that. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. You know, being filled with the Spirit is really pretty simple. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 5, he says, don't be drunk with wine or any kind of substance that's going to control yourself. But he said, do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, encouraging each other, building each other, submitting to one another. It, it's, it's not complicated that we, how we do that. We just follow God's word and, and, and see what he has to say and how we should live and how we should react. You know, if you're a believer and a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. Romans 8, 9 says that if you don't have the Spirit, you're not any part of His. We have to have, the Holy Spirit indwells us when we trust Christ as our Lord and Savior. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, what, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You know, that's, that's who we are. And the Spirit 
the Holy Spirit does so much. Jesus said, unless I go away, I can't send the comforter, or he wouldn't. What is he, who is he talking to? The comforter is the Holy Spirit. You know, if you've lost someone this year, or any year, through death, the Holy Spirit comforts you. He, he, he serves you that way. The Holy Spirit affirms that you're his child, Romans 8 tells us. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit reveals and helps us to understand this book. The Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts and makes us his child. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the gospel. The gospel of just what we've been talking about, the birth of Christ and him coming into this world as human flesh and dwelling among us, living a perfect life, obeying God's law perfectly, of dying on a cross, of being resurrected, and living with the Father right now at his right hand. Folks, if you don't know Christ this morning, you need to come to know him. And I'd invite you after the service, there'll be people up here that would be more than happy to pray with you and help you to know that. But the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the gospel. And he does so much work in our lives. But Anna and Simeon had the Holy Spirit that had revealed to them that Messiah was coming. And that's why, that's why we were there. You know, let me leave a verse with you. This is, this is beautiful. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1. The, the disciples were saying, you know, Lord, will at this time will you restore your kingdom? Notice how he answers. He said to them, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and all the parts, the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus was taken up into the clouds, and an angel says to the disciples, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus which was taken up from you in the clouds shall return in the same manner. He's coming back. And so as we look at these passages, oh, boy, if you're in a season of waiting, if you're in a season of waiting, be devoted to God's word. Be patient in your waiting. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you each step of the way. Waiting in faith, our big idea, waiting with faith enables us to receive God's promises. Let me leave you with one more passage of scripture. Hebrews chapter six, verse 11. Just beautiful. He says this, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Folks, as we live our lives and we go into a new year, let's imitate the faith and patience of Simeon and Anna. Let's use their example to be able to live by faith and walk by faith. Christ is going to return someday. We don't know when. Could be today.
but we walk and we live in patience as we wait his coming and what he has for us in this new year. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that, um, Father, you have given us these precious promises, the hope of your returning. But Father, even more than that, Father, just to walk day by day and knowing that, Father, you're, you're sovereign over our lives. And God, that you will lead us into all righteousness as we submit to your spirit, as we're devoted to your word. Uh, Father, just help us to know that you are in control, that you are on the throne, that nothing will divert you from your purposes that you will carry out in this earth. Father, we thank you that your spirit indwells us. We thank you that we are your children, your sons and daughters, that we can call you Father. And we look forward to the day that we will see you face to face. Um, we can't wait. We look forward to it. So we pray that as we close out this year, that we would look in anticipation to what you'll do in the days ahead. And we pray in Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.